I'd never thought I'd say this. The best part of the entire first half of the episode was T-Bob's joke. The Mac Shots hang on, cleverly pulls a Bo Duke and performs the kit ski mode with Thunderhawk. That was actually a pretty cool stunt. And then the last shot is they're like dangerously close to a cliff. Oh, yeah. like, where'd this cliff come from? Computer, scan files. Select mask agents best suited for this mission. Jason Gross, radio broadcaster, retro gamer, blogger, mask movie co-writer, vehicle codename 6000, 80s guru skills critical, Wyatt Bloom, broadcast technician, DJ, critic, mask movie co-writer, vehicle codename Phoenix, 80s analysis vital. Personnel approved. Assemble Mobile Armored Strike Command. Welcome back, Agents, to MassCast in Episode 72, featuring another episode review of Mobile Armored Strike Command, the animated series from 1985. Coming up, we will take a look at Episode 56, Stone Trees, which will include our play-by-play commentary mixed in with audio clips from the actual episode. And when we reach that dramatic halfway point in the conclusion of the episode, we'll pause for a minute to give our impressions and to ultimately give you our verdict using our, what I like to call our mascometer one to five scale rating. Then we'll turn it over to you, the listener, and announce the results of our online poll and also read back uh, your reviews that posted at agentsofmask.com. If you want to contribute, you just go to our website and over there in the right-hand column, you'll see the mass cast assignment with a image. You just click on the image. It takes you right to that post with the embedded video and the poll for you to watch and vote and leave your comment. Stone Trees was originally broadcast on December 16, 1985 in the United States and follows mask agent Jacques Lafleur, who finds a stone tree inscribed with some strange symbols. Venom later tries to steal the tree, hoping it will lead them to a golden Indian totem pole. I'm Jason, one of your hosts for MassCast, and with me as always is my longtime friend and fellow co-host, the bopper to my Wolfman Jack. Wyatt, are you ready to rock? I'm ready to rock! Man, this is Wolfman Jack coming to you from San Diego. <laughs> There's been a lot of articles about him lately. On uh, I follow a lot of the AM broadcasting, or I love AM radio and some other things on, on Facebook. And holy cow, there's a lot of faves on him. There was a uh, movie, there was a cartoon about him. He was kind of the uh, predecessor, high figure, if you will. Kind of, he was not the shock jock that Howard Stern was by any means, but he was out there. He was, he had the character about him. 
yeah. lot of DJs have a character, maybe not so much the the modern day ones, but they, you know, that was what they were. They were larger than life. They were the celebrities. They had to make it good on the air. I mean, they were fabulous. A lot of them were were characters of their own. Many I've read, not just Wolfman Jack, but many are. They were literally extroverts on the mic. The moment they turned it off, they went home. Introverts, they're like, I did all my talking. Why do I need to talk anymore? You know, that kind <laughs> right. of idea or uh, attitude. But uh, yeah. I've not watched that cartoon uh, nor the movie, but uh, I know he's the the legend. I'll call yeah. it. Yeah, one of the legendary disc jockeys. Uh, it's when I think of disc jockey, I think of Wolfman Jack. I know there was a lot, maybe even you know before him that preceded him, but he was just like you said, one of those that just became a national name in radio. And uh, I was, I vaguely remember the cartoon and I was doing some digging. Bopper was actually his little parrot, uh, almost like a mascot during the cartoon series, which was actually played by Frank Welker, the legendary Frank Welker, who was pretty much every animal in every yep. cartoon series. <laughs> and of course, you know, Megatron and Fred and Scooby-Doo, lots of, I mean, he's got a whole laundry list of credits, but... The interesting thing about Wolf Rock TV, which was the name of the cartoon show, from what I can tell, it was actually canceled. Like, I've never heard of a cartoon being canceled before it aired its full, like, 13 episodes. Because you'll see a lot of these you know, short-lived cartoons, like our uh, ones that we go through on Rediscovered, that are just one season, that are 13 episodes. Only seven episodes aired. Later reran in syndication in, in 1989 with Kid Video. If you remember that show, oh, which yeah. was kind of a mix between live action and cartoon, and they would sing songs. And the uh, cartoon series, uh, the Wolf Rock TV cartoon series, uh, featured Wolfman, and he hosted a like rock music TV program with three teenagers while playing some like real live action music videos. So that was the, I guess, one of the keys that it's probably never going to get released to DVD because you're using all the the actual music in there, and right. you could probably splice together the animated segments to make up something, but it might be a little bit weird. But I just would love to see it. It's been lost for a long time. Um, they, from everything I can find online, the only thing that's on YouTube, they have a picture up there, and it's a recording from a cassette. Of the oh. intro theme song. It's not even the full <laughs> intro. So if you happen to have uh, a, a recording, a tape recording from 84, which is when this came out, or perhaps in 1989 for the Wolf Rock Power Hour, which featured uh, Wolf Rock TV and Kid Video, you might want to try to throw that one up on YouTube because there's some people, that, including me, that would love to right. see it. But like I said, yeah, uh, Frank Welker was in there. Jason Bernard, who most people would know as the judge in the movie Liar, Liar, he was uh, one of the voice actors in that. He uh, sadly passed away. Um, but as of 2020, you know, copies of that series remain lost, and only through a few animation cells that have appeared online, and merchandise like uh, coloring books. I've seen a watch. Uh, I'm trying to think of some other things related to the TV show, those are the only things that have surfaced. One other note about it, it was produced by Dick Clark. So uh, 
that's probably why they were, you know, playing like actual music videos with all right. his uh, in with uh, American Bandstand and and just being in that music world. But uh, yeah, Wolf Rock TV remains kind of a lost uh, cartoon series from the '80s. And uh, like like you said, I've gone online and watched uh, some interviews with Wolfman and. Uh, some of his old recordings, uh, sign-offs, and and this and that. So, uh, man, it's just like classic radio, and it, it kind of gets me on the jazz listening oh, yeah. to him, you know. So, yeah, and, you know, if you're listening to the podcast, and you probably heard that horrible cassette <laughs> recording in the background, because that's all I can find on the show. But uh, I really wish that that would somehow surface, uh, even if, like I said, even if it's just the segments. Right. In between the music videos would be great. So, Wolf Rock TV, we probably will not see <laughs> seeing yeah. that. So, that's uh, yeah. That, I'm going really deep on uh, on these now, man. <laughs> you are, like you said, like I said, Wolfman and the, the, they were, you know, you got Casey Case, and most of us heard him on a countdown, but he was a DJ. Right. Well, before heck, I didn't know this till recently. Uh, Pat Sajak, he was a radio DJ. Uh, broadcaster just after the war. I don't know. I, can't, I think it was Vietnam. Mm-hmm. Came back, got a little radio broadcasting job, did that for a few years. I still don't know. I don't recall how he landed Wheel of Fortune, but he landed that, you know, many years ago. And in the process, he bought his own radio station. And <laughs> I got a chance to go take a little, um, I call it a sidecar with it, which is hilarious because. I felt like I was a kid. I mean, I, I literally <laughs> felt like I was a kid because I'm like, I'm talking there and I'm like, I used to do this and blah, blah, blah. But you don't realize what is triggering in my mind right now that I'm just yeah. like a kid in the candy store right now. <laughs> anyway, that's cool. All right. Well, we'll put uh Wolfman Jack back in the radio booth there. And we'll get our radio in the radio booth. My apologies. I've been on the radio <laughs> kick lately. All right. Well, let's get our mask on. Get your mask on. <laughs> All right, well, just a couple of uh, things of note I wanted to pass along to you as far as the mask community goes. Available now, if you follow Bill Ferris and uh, the Behind the Mask YouTube series, he's done a great job. He's kept that going for longer and, and did more uh, stuff on mask and, just, and some other stuff outside of mask that uh, have really surprised me how many episodes he's really put together. But he was able to get a lot of us... I don't know, mask junkies, maybe uh, <laughs> mask super fans, whatever you want to call it, mask agents. We got us, uh, I think six of us, six or s- no, actually, it was more no, there than was that. Like eight or nine, I think. Yeah, eight or nine of us together, and uh, we did a Zoom meeting. This was uh, last Friday or last Saturday. Had several people that's involved in several different ways, uh, podcasters. We've had. Uh, Mr. Kira Wack was on there that does the the comic books. Uh, we had the gentleman from Germany whose name uh, escapes me that I believe has done some customs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, was, I was uh, and Paul. Yeah, there's a lot of people on there, just super fans of Mask over the years that we got to get together and just chat and speculate and uh, do almost review. Uh, you know, <laughs> the good the uh, comic the old IDW comic books and. Everything we, we just pretty much talked about everything, the new potential movie, and man, that was a real shot in the arm, uh, at was. least for me, uh, which I really needed. Um, 
you know, coming back into mass cast and trying to stay positive about the whole thing and, you know, not just uh, try to hang my hopes on a, a movie happening and all that and getting discouraged yet again. But it was really great. We had a really great time, didn't we? Oh, it was a real blast. I was a little taken aback if you want to. I mean, it was an awesome, awesome time. I mean, there was so much. I mean, I really wanted to just throw out our script almost word for word as, as deep as we were getting because um, that was one of our questions. What, you know, should we leave it in the past? Should we make another movie? Would you think the the what we proposed would be a Fast and the Furious slash mask take on everything? And I'm like, no, I want to do our script. Jason was actually a little bit different, <laughs> which I was surprised about. But, I mean... Whatever, I don't really, it doesn't bother me. It's more of a, man, I still see our vision, that mm-hmm. script, getting into someone's hands. And I even joked with the illustrator uh, that did the Mask 85 and 86. I said, hey, maybe you should put ours together. And he's like, no, I'm done. So, <laughs> yeah. So, well, uh, and it's not that I don't want to do, I wouldn't love to see our script. Uh, all of our No, you're being blood, very blood real tears, about it. But, what's but what's I, that's currently what it, in the yeah. library, I'll call it. What's being on the on the plate to be served? That's what you're re- being real about. Yeah. I'm like, no, I don't. Uh, I never got into the Fast and Furious, but I've only watched like bits and pieces, reruns off of whatever yeah. was on. So I've never sat down and fully enjoyed, or at least taken in the original to see what it was about, mm-hmm. what it was like. Except that it was racing cars and seeing my, it was a seventy, but it was still a nice Dodge Charger to uh-huh. racing around. But I, I, I just think they're going to butcher it. That That's oh. me personally. I think they're going to butcher it no matter what we do. And, of course, another mass person would, would look at our script and say we're butchering it probably. But um, it's just that whole – I don't think that the love for mask is in that crew. The mask yeah. that we know is in the crew that's lined up that Hasbro is putting in, into the art pool right now. If they yeah. took us – Got us into a mass cuddle room and just said, how do we want to put this together? I think even if it was a dozen of us come up with a far better classic, maybe modern take on mask as a whole and make it a good movie that every genre, every age group would probably admire. Not just, I mean, how many of us have, have barked at, at the, the, newer Transformers movie back in oh, yeah. 05, 06, whenever Michael Bay started it out. Then it looked like he's like finally saying, oops, I think I made a mistake and made the Bumblebee movie to try to explain what he was drawing. Well, we all know <laughs> he screwed up the whole... Anyway, well, that's a tangent. He did, yeah, he didn't but, actually direct that one. He just produced it, but still, it's... I, I see where you're going with it, and we even talked about it in the video that mm-hmm. you either do a period piece and set it in the 80s, or you kind of build off of uh, Fast and the Furious. And unfortunately, you're right in that the uh, film studios obviously want to stay in business. They obviously want to make money, so they've got to make the most broad stroke mm-hmm. uh, picture to get the most people uh, uh, interested in it and appealed and, you know, you can get them to the theater. So that's why I just think that uh, my little dose of reality that I've almost embraced now is you build off of fast and furious or, 
uh, like they were suggesting on the the round table, do a period piece. And I just think that uh, it, it would be nice to think that that film studios, uh, for lack of a better word, give a damn about the fans and the classic fans that they would bring people in to be like a uh, an expert or uh, something that they could. Hey, you know, what was it like in the cartoon? Would they have done this or that? And being able to sit down with somebody that knows the series inside and out. We're only and, a phone uh, call email away, Hasbro. Just saying. That, that's right. But uh, that's typically not how it works unless you're uh, an author of a book and then the book is being made into a movie. So I truly think that uh, the best thing to get something out there that resembles what we know and love would be a new animated series. And I would just love to see 10 episodes of something being thrown up on Netflix to see what kind of reaction fans get. Uh, and I mean, something that's still, you know, kind of in that classic mode, but in this, in the same sense, modern enough that kids would embrace it. So that's my take. I would um, hope and love to get a animated series first, but I don't think that's going to happen. I'm not even sure if the movie's going to happen, but. We shall see. The script will be written, but whether it gets put into (laughs) full fruition, we don't know yet. We got a script. We keep telling you, Hasbro. Just saying. Let's uh, let's just we'll defer to that video. Go over to Behind the Mask on YouTube and check us out in that uh, new Mask Agent Assembly video which was really fun it's i think it's about an hour or so and uh man we go deep and we have fun yuck it up and it was a great time uh also wanted to mention speaking of mask 85 mask 86 there's two issues out uh now i believe they're both on uh matttracker.com site i'm going to try to get them up on our site pretty soon and uh working a little behind the scenes with him to see what i can do because <clears throat> I work at a <clears throat> print, uh, print company. Um, <clears throat> we'll see what happens. But I'm not promising anything right now. Uh, because it was made for digital. And we'll just see what happens. Uh, those of you listening are obviously loyal fans. And I know would love to get your hands on a physical copy. But uh, for now, we'll, we'll get them out there on the web. So you can enjoy those. And we'll just see what happens uh, maybe on down the line. But... Uh, that's all I had. Uh, anything you wanted to pass along before we get into the episode? Well, I think it's about time that we start the Masscast. Timber! And we begin our episode by panning across the forest with the shout of timber as a tree falls with someone calling Jacques that they had found another specimen as Jacques and what looks like Pierre begin to use a two person chainsaw on a tree. The barn chain snap with them commenting that it will be hard to cut. Well, no kidding. Hmm. Look here. It's petrified. I have never seen a petrified pine. What is it doing here? I don't think there's much market for two-by-fours made of solid rock. Watch this. They discover what they basically deduce as Indian carvings. Jacques replies that, it, that if it is what they think it is, they've stumbled onto the secret of the newt car. Unbeknownst to them, however, there is a man spying on them in their background. 
Now we cut to the tracker mansion with Matt talking with Jacques. Jacques, good to hear from you. What's wrong? I have run into something really strange up here, mon ami. A stone tree. Sounds interesting. I just hope you're not getting rocks in your head. Hey, it's serious, Matt. The future of the Nootka Indians depends on us finding a second stone tree. With Matt asking, is that an invitation? Jock states he could use their help with Matt saying, you got it. Next, we see our dynamic duo packing their luggage with Scott sounding elated that they'll be in a real forest. Weren't they just in a forest not too long ago? <laughs> right, guess, yeah. I guess it was that big of a time gap. Anyway, so T-Bob is not as impressed and quips that... Big deal. I'd rather wait till Christmas when the department stores sell the pretty aluminum ones. Did you notice here that the voice is different? It's, For T-Bob? Yep. They, they no, altered it or they messed with the EQ. I don't know what they did. Hmm. They jacked it up. I didn't really catch that one. Okay. <laughs> but anyway, Scott suggests that his dad may let them sleep outside under the stars, with T-Bob quickly saying he'd suggest sleeping in the planetarium. And so far, we have just a complaining T-Bob on our hands. Well, that was I actually laughed at that one, because what he says was, uh, if Scott wants to sleep under the stars, there's a real boring show at the planetarium. Yeah, that's exactly it. <laughs> Which was actually funny. I mean, I, I don't know. I laughed at that. I actually did a roll my eyes with him. Okay. Yeah. So now we cut to Thunderhawk driving. Right. Uh, Thunderhawk driving on a dirt road in the forest. And Matt says the lumber camp should just be around the bend. Scott in the passenger seat wonders what's going on up ahead. And they look up there and there's some lumberjacks kind of waving their arms. I wasn't sure what was going on there at first. Yep. But uh, Thunderhawk pulls up and parks and... Uh, the lumberjacks are m kind of mumbling to each other. And exiting uh, Thunderhawk, Scott sees that the lumberjacks are actually having a race up two trees. So they continue uh, like cheering on the contestants there. And as they come back down the tree, Matt says, Hi, Jacques. Hi, Matt. Hi, Scott. And mon petit Tibab. Bonjour. That was quite a performance. Well, when it comes to climbing trees, no one can beat Black Fox. I bet T-Bob can. Huh? We got a big competition here. T-Bob, it's easy. Look at his boots. See? They have spikes. Scott asks if T-Bob can borrow some. T-Bob says, no way he's wearing spiked heels without a matching handbag. I laughed at that, too. I don't know. I'm. These are more than puns, so I was laughing. Uh, Black Fox says he has an extra pair and that T-Bob would make a fine lumberjack. So now we get uh, Scott looking up at these really tall trees and asking, which one is the tallest? Uh, T-Bob then says, well, why can't he just practice on a small tree first now that he's got his spikes on his feet? And Scott tells him, this is the one right here. T-Bob looks up and nearly like falls backwards yep. trying to look up the thing. He like cuts himself in half there. He says he doesn't feel good about this. Scott tells him to stop worrying. He'll be a smash hit. And, of course, <laughs> T-Bob says that's what he's worried about, uh, falling off the tree. Scott tells him to get going, that he'll time him. T-Bob says, you better use a calendar. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm laughing at T-Bob this that episode. That actually wasn't too bad. I mean, I'm, it's, it's a lot more than those stupid puns that they always do. So I'm like, yeah, okay, we finally got some good jokes here. 
Uh, Jacques says, Not bad for a beginner. I'm surprised. T-Bob gets dizzy going up an escalator. Hey, I'm doing pretty good. I'm not too bad at this. I feel dizzy. T-Bob! And he starts to fall, but a branch catches him. But then that branch quickly breaks, and then he starts plummeting all the way to the ground into a nearby bush. And Scott rushes up and, of course, asks him if he's okay. T-Bob replies he thinks he just voided his warranty. (laughs) I mean, this is great, man. This is funny. Scott says he's glad he's okay as T-Bob offers his spikes back to Jacques. He tells him he can keep them as a souvenir, though. And then he gives T-Bob a safety belt. T-Bob says, well, better late than never, I guess. And he'll keep them close to his heart. And he just opens his little container there in the front and shoves his uh, safety belt and his spikes in that little compartment there. And then uh, Matt now wants to be filled in on the stone tree that uh, Jacques told him about. Right. He was asking Jacques, uh, saying the Black Fox is a member of the tribe that tells the tale of when the buffalo were plenty. An ancient chief angered the gods and you still see this spying man in the background listening to the conversation but the ancient chief to appease the gods the ancestors carved a mighty totem pole the color of the sun with Jacques adding that it is it is a solid gold totem pole Black Fox states little is known about the golden totem except that it is hidden between two stone trees and if we're going to find the totem, we have to find the second petrified tree. And then that's when the spy whisks away. Mm-hmm. We now cut to Thunderhawk on the road. Jacques states that at this next rise is where they'll find the petrified, the second petrified tree. And it's funny to see all five of these people crammed into that Camaro. Yeah. Well, the, the animation was a little funky to me in, yes, in this was. whole episode. And even this shot here where uh, Thunderhawk is down the road... It looked like the front headlight, one of the headlights was blinking. Did you notice that? Yeah, I did. It's like every other frame. I don't know if there was just like two frames that they were showing back to back, but one had like a little white spot on the headlight. And it looked like it was going down the road and his headlight was flashing. Yep. Uh, yep. It was weird. There was a thump that it's heard with Scott asking, what was that? They look behind and now we see all the trees along the road collapsing onto the road. The trees seem to be collapsing faster with Matt trying to navigate. Well, that was pretty clever. Then a log comes barreling ahead of them with Scott shouting, It's gonna hit us! What a way to end up! The litter along the highway! Hang on! As he sees a log in a large embankment to the right, he cleverly pulls a Bo Duke and performs the kit ski mode with Thunderhawk. (laughs) Actually, that was actually a pretty cool stunt. But I, I was expecting, here. where's jet mode when this... You're right, yeah. That's what I put in the notes. I'm like, take off, man. Just take off in the thing and get up out of the way. The I mean, only thing I can think of is the animation couldn't show how close those trees might have been. And I'm, I'm reaching. I'm really reaching here. But yeah, you've got I mean, Thunderhawk, it... and they're trying to show that it's collapsed on top of it where he can't take off. So this is where Matt's supposed to be the, well, the yeah, clever they did, I mean, too. they didn't, it was alluded to, but it wasn't said that he couldn't, you know, that right. would have been great if they would have said, oh, I can't convert to jet mode because there's 
too much debris or something. I don't know. That, that would little line would have said everything that you need to say. But yeah. I, it, it confused me too. Like right at the beginning when Jacques says right on the other side of the rise is where they found the petrified tree. And I was like, well, wait, weren't we just there? Wasn't it? At, I guess the camp is not where, uh, where the petrified tree was. But anyway, I, yeah. I don't know. I was kind of confused there. Anyway, I'll let you keep going after yeah. ski mode here. <laughs> but anyway, so they narrowly missing the log. They get righted up with Black Fox stating that the ancient gods must be trying to keep us away. Matt says perhaps or someone else gave them a helping hand. Mm-hmm. And as they pull up, there is a vast amount of downed trees with Jacques saying, Sacre bleu! The stone tree! It's gone! And the other trees, it looks like they were uprooted. There's only one possible explanation. Whoever did this wanted to keep us from finding the precise location of the petrified tree. That didn't make sense to me either. They want to keep them from finding the petrified tree, which apparently didn't work because they knew exactly where it was. So, I don't know. Um, (laughs) So, from here, uh, Mr. Stone Fox calls for Matt to come here, and he shows him some pinch marks on a downed tree, and Matt immediately deduces that this is compliments of the scorpion or a.k.a. the Stinger Venom vehicle. And Venom must be here, and they have won this first round against us here. So uh, Scott runs over to T-Bob, kind of to the side here. T-Bob, guess what? I'm not good at quizzes. Mayhem's here. Tell him I'm in conference. I I thought that was fun. I don't know. I'm laughing at T-Bob in this episode. You must be liking Uh, T-Bob, because I'm starting to get on the... Well, we'll get into... (laughs) <laughs> more later but uh scott says don't be silly they need to help dad and apparently he spoke too loud because matt walks over and telling him sorry that black fox will take him back to the logging camp where he'll be safe and black fox says he'll teach him how to make a headdress which scott kind of reluctantly accepts uh, but maybe it'll come in handy for a school project so uh scott says his goodbyes to matt which i'm Knew right there that it wouldn't be the last time we saw him. Nope. Jock tells Matt that he was out checking the road where they were, and they hit some kind of booby trap that triggered a laser to cut down the trees, causing them to fall over. So uh, Matt then opens up Thunderhawk and says, it's time to call in the mask team. And he, of course, asks the onboard computer for the best agents or agent. for, <laughs> And uh, Jock LaFleur is pre-selected. So the computer gives us Brad Turner, and that's it. Mr. Rock Musician, vehicle codenamed Condor, and his studies in Indian folklore could be an asset, which uh, never really came to fruition. This is weird because I had never seen this happen before. Of course, they got everything wrong. They got the sound wrong, but... Matt goes ahead and approves like immediately after Brad is selected. I was like, wait, there's no, that's it. He asked to assemble mask. And then we get the call up scene, which is these girls banging on Brad's like dressing room door. And he's like wiping his face with a towel. He throws it on the floor and then stands behind the door and slowly opens it, letting the girls in and they start fighting over the towel. And then he kind of sneaks out the door and right. down the hallway. <laughs> I thought that was kind of a fun scene, but it was kind of out of order too. That's usually right after, you know, right they, the, the, call, the computer yeah. calls them up and you get the code scene. And then Matt, that's the final thing to get out of that sequence is him approving and 
tells them to assemble mask. But anyway, they got I did that like the, the dual screen seeing and actually the little screen up on you know Thunderhawk's dash during mm-hmm. the the simulation. You know, got Matt and Condor flipping mm-hmm. through as they're selecting that. I actually like because we don't really see much of the Thunderhawk computer t- that it flips up. Then he talks to it, but it, very rarely do we see something on it. Especially, we never see the call up. What Matt sees while they're calling him. Does he see right. this, or does it? You just see the computer. You know, it won't be kit lights, but it would be. <laughs> you know, I don't know a waveform or something trying to talk. But this is cool. I liked it. Yeah, a little inside stuff there. So now okay. we're back to the duo yep. and Black Fox, as he states that the path will lead them back to the logging camp. Scott is starting to get hungry. Then they see a bush rustling with a large black bear standing up. Yo, the bear's looking for dinner, too. And we're the main course. Quick, take the lower trail. I'll hold him off. I don't know how you hold off the black bear. Will you bear. now? Yeah, that's what I put in my notes. Will you now? <laughs> the duo run off, which we don't see them go into scooter mode, which would be, I think, faster. <laughs> right? Just, just oh, my gosh. With Black Fox finally running away, where he then trips over a root and bangs his head onto a tree, which ends up knocking him unconscious. So I guess holding him off, you're like sacrificing yourself as the dinner for the bear. That's how he's holding them off. (laughs) Exactly. Then the bear looks at Black Fox, and then we cut back to the duo as Scott says that they need to go faster with T-Bob saying he should have changed his oil. How about changing to scooter mode? Right. Just a thought. Then we're cut right back to the black bear. It roars over uh, Black Fox and then runs off. I guess he stunk too much. I don't know. Then T-Bob says to slow down and rest. But then the bear roars and he says, cancel that last order. That one was a little chuckle. Then the bear runs towards them with Scott seeing a place to hide inside a hollow log. As the bear tries to swipe inside, T-Bob says he's not going to shake hands with that paw. (laughs) Scott says not to worry. He'll give up soon. Instead, the bear picks up the log and begins to shake this thing. T-Bob says, you were saying? And then... Ah! Hang on, T-Bob! Looks like we're about to become the main course. At the end, I mean, they they added so many elements to that whole train wreck of a scene but uh the bear is now like biting pieces off the log yeah. trying to get to them and then the last shot is they're like dangerously close to a cliff oh, yeah. I'm like, where did this cliff come from so uh, <laughs> okay yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was all all the way wrong of the train wreck yeah but oh okay so here we are at halftime which is what uh, you thinking uh, <laughs> <laughs> should i ask <laughs> uh, yeah i was trying to mislead you there trying to stay up uh, upbeat but i'd never thought i'd say this uh, in a episode the best part of the entire first half of the episode was t-bob's jokes <laughs> i mean actually some great jokes in the episode they're I'm not his usual right puns <laughs> not his usual puns but actually jokes that made me laugh that was the best part the animation was sucked. I mean, it was not on par at all. The shots of Thunderhawk driving through the forest, I mean, it looked like a matchbox car. It did. And then when they're getting out of Thunderhawk, the doors are like so skinny. And then they're all crammed in there, you know. It just 
it was not drawn well for some reason. <laughs> the handbag joke. I mean, I was literally laughing. I mean, it was great. Uh, but it looked like they were meant to laugh at T-Bob about it. Because Matt's kind of standing there with his mouth hanging open for a couple seconds. But he never laughs. I'm like, move his mouth. Let him laugh at the joke. It was funny. It was just so slow building and boring. And that's nothing against like the Native American culture or what they were, uh, you know, attempting to feature in the episode, but I just wasn't entertained by it. Okay. It's just a bunch of guys chopping down trees. All right. And they find a funny looking tree and random stuff starts happening. I mean, I could see where they're going with the episode too. There's this mystery guy in the woods. Obviously he's spying on them for venom. Right. And, uh, it just, I don't know the, the booby traps and the eavesdropping, you know, I mean, it just, it all, you could tell what was coming up. But I'm like, why is it necessary if Venom already knows about that? They're setting up like booby traps. I mean, it it was almost like, okay, so this guy's getting tips. He's going to then go to Venom, and then they're going to try to get on this. But they were already on it by the time Mask got there, or they wouldn't be setting booby traps. You know what I mean? That's it. So it was kind of unnecessary. The continuity wasn't there with Matt and the gang kind of leaving the scene, and they you know, I don't know. It just seemed to me that they were at the place where they found the tree, but I guess they weren't now that I'm thinking about it. They were at the camp and then they were going the back camp doing the competition. Yeah. Okay. But, um, but I bear- was disconnected from that too. I thought yeah. it was nearby the tree. So the, the bear drama was just ridiculous. I mean, just ridiculous. And he scooter mode, like you said, get in scooter mode. I mean, what are y'all thinking? Okay. All that leads to me. Dropping my mascometer from a five, which is where we start out, I'm all the way down to one point five, dude. <laughs> wow! And that's the halfway point. I mean, T. Bob's jokes was the only like breath of fresh air in this whole episode. I mean, it's too bad the energy was spent trying to write jokes for T. Bob, seemingly, and it cost them in actually writing an interesting and cohesive story. I mean, it was just all over the place and it, ridiculous with the bear thing so i'm i was like what are we doing here i'm just hoping that there's some some good uh, mask use and battles and stuff at the end to kind of bring this thing back up (laughs) because i was like way down on the bar so that leaves me if i'm rounding up i'm at a two that's where i'm at how about you (laughs) well i'm not much higher a little bit higher the story was okay i won't call it good i won't call it bad i'll just call it okay but the, the legend of the golden totem pole was at least a little bit of a good plot to go with. We got to see a call up. I, it, it, um, I, for a moment, it was cool because you got to see the dash, the dual screen. We finally get to mm-hmm. see it working as far as the call up goes. But you're right. It was out of sequence. Everything was out of sequence. So I, I dinged it there a little bit. I tried. They should have written a line in there so we knew why. Thunderhawk didn't tra- change the jet mode. But I tried to think outside the box here and think that the only way to escape was to do the ski mode bit. So we get to see a little bit of Matt's driving capabilities, you know, with Thunderhawk aside something. from just flying it. Or, yeah, that, or, that was... or landing it on its bumper that one time. <laughs> yeah, I do remember that. But, I mean, that was the thing. I mean, that was cool. I, I love that Matt, you know, knows how to drive that car. But 
there was always something that made it unnecessary that just killed me with the changing the jet mode or getting on the scooter and getting the heck out of there. I mean, it just, I mean, there's just logical stuff that, that they usually adhere to that they didn't in the episode. Right. So um, keep going. I'm sorry. Yeah, that's all right. Um, saw a lot of the duo, which sometimes we do. Um, a lot. <laughs> they weren't completely bad. There was a couple jokes that were decent, but I, I don't know. I got kind of tired of T-Bob's complaining, which I get tired of it anyway. But yeah. he was really on the whiny side of, of him. And then that spy lurking about, that was actually decent because he didn't know what he was doing, except that you could kind of deduce that it was probably for for mm-hmm. Venom of some sort. But got to see him lurking about. And then, like you said, you pretty much said everything I, I was going to say about the Black Bear scene. I mean... They had to have a suspense. They had to have that little something for the cliffhanger for for the commercial break. But it was literally a cliffhanger that didn't have a cliff at the beginning. At least I didn't see it in the camera right, shot or right. the drawing shot. The whole... I try to take the liberty, but how it looks like he's swiping in there. And here's T-Bob. I mean, really, there's no distance that they're safer. Yeah, they And then as they're... Concluding that scene, like you said, just the bear just tearing at this tree. So in a way, I'm like, it could be a good scene. They would have thought this out a little bit better. This could have been a better scene because look, it does look like this bear's gonna get the duo because he's tearing into this log, and they thought they were safe. But mm-hmm. the whole you got Black Fox going into a concussion. You got T Bob not transforming to scooter mode because they want to go faster, but they won't go faster. Whatever. So I landed at a solid three, but I was wanting to go lower, but I'm trying to, like me, I'm trying to stay positive here. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, that's just the thing. I mean, it it just seemed like they pieced this episode together. They didn't know what to do with the bear. There were some nice shots, actually, of him, like, looking into the end of the log, but is it the bear? Is it the cliff? Right. You know, it's just kind of throwing stuff at you, and let's see what sticks on the wall, and We'll go with that. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> all right. Deep breath. <clears throat> Back to the same uh, scenario here with the bear. Now uh, he's the, shaking the log. And Scott says they can't go back any further. I'm like, why? Isn't it a hollow log? Um, I thought it was hollow. In fact, it looked hollow uh, on the, before the commercial right. break. And now we don't see it hollow anymore. We should have checked to see if there was an emergency exit. <laughs> Don't eat us. Oh, we're high in saturated fat. That was pretty good. The bear then lifts the chewed up log over his head and throws it into the ravine, which we see now is actually a river down there. So at least they've got some cushion, but it just, they're rolling down the uh, side of the, the cliff there. And they're swept into the river. Amazingly, this hollow log floats, even with the bear, like, ripping into it and stuff. But Scott quickly says, hey, they're sinking. Well, they climb on top of the log that's still uh, floating. And they just notice a conveniently floating log raft near them. And what's equally amazing is they are floating quicker than the raft. Yep. So T-Bob reaches out, grabs it, 
Scott climbs over T-Bob to get to safety on the raft. And T-Bob lets go of the log and pulls himself on, saying, What a day it's been. Indeed. (laughs) My complaint here with T-Bob is, one, he was barely hanging on. He was complaining about that. Like, he could barely hang on. Come on, go quickly. But on top of that, where's the go-go gadget arms that he usually has anyway? They could they he really didn't that stretch. I mean, holy cow, dude. Yeah. Just use those and you could grab that really quickly. But anyway, uh, that raft thing just, uh, I was nope. like, really? Wow. So uh, we cut back to the forest now. Now we get Venom's theme. And uh, we see a converted outlaw with the large cannon moving back and forth. We see uh, Scorpion or Stinger, whichever you want to call it. They call it Scorpion. Moving a log with its trunk claw there that, that jets out. We see Nash at a uh, at the computer station there at, at Outlaw. And then Mayhem talking to this uh, intruder or a spy that was back at the camp that we saw earlier. And this spy is irate. I don't think we ever hear his name, who he was or why he's working for Venom. But uh, he's really irate that Mayhem is only offering him $100,000. A hundred thousand bucks for all the information I gave you? Why don't you pay me what I'm worth? If I was gonna pay you what you're worth, I'd get change back from my dollar. Now get out of here! I I thought that was a great line from Mayhem. That was actually decent, yeah. But then after that, Mayhem just kind of tells him to leave, and uh, this little spy says he's sick of him, and he's sick of all this, and he just takes off, okay? And then... uh, Nash walks up to Mayhem saying, Your idea to have the computer translate the Indian drawings in the stone tree was pure brilliance. You have my admiration. Well, Mayhem just doesn't even address that. He no, just not at all. says, uh, scan the forest. And, you know, the, you see the radar dishes going up. And from the screen, Mayhem says, there's the second tree. Or looks like he's, they have located the second tree. And he picks up the radio to tell Bruno and Dagger to prepare to rendezvous. And then we get the mask transport plane flying overhead. Right, with it opening the rear cargo door and Volcano parachuting out with Condor flying out. Okay, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. Wasn't Volcano at the logging camp? No, it I don't think like it, it to me. I don't think it was, but here, first, who is flying the plane if you only called up mm-hmm. Brad? Talk Second, why don't we have time to land anymore? I mean, this is the second episode in a row where we're dropping vehicles from the sky with parachutes. Or uh, Firefly did that stupid thing with Bruce where he's you know, flying it into the cliff. Uh, land the thing. I mean, does the transport plane have like a hot date with an F-14 or something? I mean, I why can't we Why can't we land the plane anymore? They're just going to be dropping stuff out of the sky. Anyway, it just, that bugged me. I'm like, come yeah. on, man. Just land the thing. That's it. But uh, yeah, I thought I saw actually a van. I could have swore it was a volcano it van could, at the logging camp. But anyway, so Matt meets up with Condor with Spectrum being taken off of Matt, which was neat. But we didn't hear a command. I didn't expect one, but still. Well, and, then, and I was like, how is he communicating? Yeah. Because it usually drops down. You hear the change in his voice that he's communicating with the mask to the other people. But now he's spitting out stuff to people. I'm like, how is he communicating? I don't know. Then he was commenting that... Spectrum alone doesn't have the range to cover the entire forest. We'll split up and search separately. Wait. Spectrum actually has limitations now? 
Wow. Yeah. I didn't think it had any limits. Uh, anyway, so they will need to split up and search separately. Volcano transforms with Matt asking if he's ready. Jacques states, ready to erupt. We cut back to the duo as Scott finds a place where they'll be safe. T-Bob comments, finally, dry land, and adding that he knows how Christopher Columbus felt. They soon hear Venom and Duck Undercover. Wow, it's Venom! Let's check it out! No way, Scott, forget it! You want to get back on the raft and go through another rinse cycle? Lead on! Now we're back to Venom with Switchblade landing with Scorpion Outlaw and Jackhammer pulling up. Bruno says there's nothing here but a pile of old logs. Miles steps out and says that that's where they'll find the golden totem. Start digging! You expect me to dig around in that garbage pile? You should feel right at home. Outlaw transforms, which was a nice trans- uh, nice animation, rather, mm-hmm. with Nash saying, how dare he disobey an order as the man's a tactical genius. Bruno tells, tells him to shut up, Glory. And then Glory turns to, to tell Miles, do you believe him? And then he can just continue to ramble on. And finally, even Mayhem says, shut up, Glory, which I thought was actually. <laughs> I laughed. Um, yeah, I, that was funny. And then Scorpion begins removing the logs. What was he doing? I mean, okay, you're looking. I didn't realize, you know, until late in the episode. Oh, hey, there's just the golden totem pole just laying there amongst this pile of logs. But uh, obviously, he's, I guess, trying to remove them. But and there's certain scenes I just didn't know what he was doing. If he was trying to like weigh the weight of the tree or the log, I, I was thinking it was going to yeah, be like it didn't really move very well. It was uh, kind of like, okay, why are you doing that? Just move. Apparently, it's not that hard to find uh, this golden totem if it's just in a log pile somewhere. But anyway, um, so he's picking up the logs with Stinger, or Scorpion, as you would want to call it. Uh, Scott and T-Bob now looking on with Scott wanting to contact Matt and requesting uh, T-Bob's radio. And T-Bob spins his head around, opens the radio panel, and Scott calls Matt with Matt kind of acting surprised and asking him what he's doing. Well, it's Scott. He's doing what he does. He's meddling. Where are you? We found Venom. They're near the north side of the river. And... Scott, get out of there right away. But... I'm bringing the team, and I don't want you to get hurt. And don't use the radio anymore, okay? We'll do. Over and out. Which I thought was good. Like, Venom could, like, uh, intercept their transmission or something. Well, you he know? has before. Yeah, right. And I just thought that was a brief, nice little touch there. Yep. Yep. And Matt tells me he's bringing in the team. So Scott says over and out, but then he contemplates if they try sneaking away, Venom might see them. And T-Bob says to call Matt back, but Scott says no. He told him not to, and so he guesses they're up a tree with Scott telling him, that's it! (laughs) So we briefly cut back to Thunderhawk, and Spectrum now lowers back onto Matt, uh, telling... No command. Telling the team to get into defense mode. And Jock says, all set, with his mirage mask lowering on his head. We cut to Brad, who already has his mask, saying he's all set. And then the outlaw radar dish is now spinning, with Nash running over to Mayhem, saying, The radar's picking up mask! What? Hmm, mask! Coming to interrupt! Prepare for a fight! And I was like, please let there be a fight. Really? <laughs> 
And then we cut back to uh, Scott and T-Bob. Of course, that the whole thing we were talking about. They're now climbing a tree with Scott riding piggyback on T-Bob as he's using his little spike shoes and his safety belt to get up there. And he tells T-Bob he's glad that he kept the spikes in the safety belt and he guarantees that he will not fall again. And I was like, what about you, dumbass? You're, mm-hmm. <laughs> you're on the back of them. Um, T-Bob asked why. Did he make some kind of arrangement with Sir Isaac Newton? Well, they finally reach a branch that's like way up high and they look down on Venom with Scott kind of admiring the view, how high they were. And then now down below, we see uh, Stinger still moving logs about. Right, with Miles saying to Dagger to wait until they're in range, then they'll attack. Next, <laughs> next we move to Gory to jam Thunderhawk's control systems. Bruno asks what he's supposed to do with Mayhem, saying he wants him to keep digging. He wants that golden totem pole. We see Thunderhawk flying, uh, then cut to Gory with the Outlaw Control Center. He sends out this jamming beam with Matt noticing it. I don't know how you notice a jamming beam. I didn't. Yeah, that's what I was like. What? How are you? I noticing think he was this? looking at the like the the screen or whatever on the dash on his. Yeah. I think he was. I don't remember. Wouldn't that kind of jam up everyone? Why is it just jamming Thunderhawk though? That was another question I had. Anyway. At least it wasn't spaceball jamming, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Sir, we've been jammed. Raspberry. Lone Star. <laughs> All right, don't get me started. Don't get I me know. started. Um, so anyway, then he responds saying, Gory thinks he's pretty hot stuff. Well, I know how to turn the heat on him. <laughs> this missile will follow the beam straight to him. That must be a missile and it's following the jamming beam. I must turn it off. What the? Whoa! Yeah, yeah, we've been hit! Help! But it's too late. The missile knocks out the radar antenna, but then Outlaw begins to slowly blow up in different spots, which did not make sense. It would just pop, 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 yeah. pop. I thought they were, he was, somebody was firing on him, but yeah. like the computer blows up and random parts are just kind of blowing up. And like, That's okay, it. you just hit a radar dish. What else is. Anyway. Yep, which takes uh, Miles and Nash by surprise. Miles states that they're getting close, and he doesn't have the golden totem yet. Next, we're now back at Jackhammer pulling up beneath the duo with the duo noticing. T-Bob hopes he doesn't see them. I did notice that T-Bob's voice was actually off, like when whoever was recording, uh, doing the voice, it was like they were over here, and they're like, oh, i got to write the script. Oh, yeah, here I am. Is how oh, really? it seemed to me. Look, T-Bob, there's Jackhammer. Oh, I hope he doesn't see us. I didn't. I didn't notice that part. Yeah, I'm thinking. Of there's too much other crap going on. The the voice didn't bother me. <laughs> right. So Dagger comes up through the turret and says he's going to set a trap. A few movements with T-Bob worrying that they will be spotted. Then Dagger begins to blast a hole into the ground. Camouflage it, and the trap is set. We gotta do something, T-Bob. Dagger is gonna ambush Jacques. But what can we do? He's a sitting duck for you, T-Bob. Huh? T-Bob is confused, and Scott says he'll stop him and unlocks T-Bob's safety belt, which sends him falling on top of Dagger. 
and Jacques pulls up with him commenting that he was jumping for joy to see him as Dagger runs off, which was kind of lame. He just ran off like, what the heck was this? Falling robots? Yeah, yeah. Uh, jump back and jackhammer, dude. Your, your vehicle's sitting right there. That's it. Did you see when Volcano pulled up? They were doing that crazy spin motion with the turret. Yes. I didn't understand that. That I mean, that was part of the toy, like because the toy is motorized. Right. It's uh, it goes along, and then that turret slowly will turn all the way around, like three sixty. But the way they were doing it, whoever would have been in the turret going down the road would have been like tossing their cookies because it was like spinning. Oh yeah, it's like a spin cycle. It was the most ridiculous thing down the road. I can understand, and they've showed volcano before this. And they have shown it moving about, so to aim the the, right. to the turret gun up there. But you don't need to have it spinning down the road like uh, like that, as it's <laughs> it was ridiculous. Uh, all right, so now we're back on the ground. Uh, somehow uh, Scott has gotten down from the tree, and he's now running after T Bob. T Bob tells him he knew he wouldn't like this. Scott replies that it, he's a hero. But T-Bob says that's a bad habit he's going to have to break. So they both jump back on the raft. I was like, really? All right, this is your only option to get back on the raft. We cut back to Stinger, and he now pulls the golden totem out of the pile. I found it! The gold totem! Marvelous! An irreplaceable example of Native American folk art! I can't wait to melt it down. I'll check its purity. What? It's not gold at all. It's amber. It's worthless. Just like this episode. Uh, Mayhem (laughs) climbs back in the switchblade, tells them, let's get out of here. Well, Viper uh, lowers on Mayhem, and he flies his switchblade in helicopter mode, kind of straight up. Matt radios to Brad that he spotted Mayhem. And Brad says he'll be right there. Now we get back over to Mayhem, who notices that Thunderhawk is approaching him from the rear. And we look down at the river, and of course, there are the sitting ducks, Scott and T-Bob, right in the middle of the river on the raft. And Mayhem says he'll divert Thunderhawk's attention. So he shoots a missile down on a log pile that's kind of in the just floating in the river there. And Matt looks down and says, it looks like Scott and T-Bob. Of course it is. They're always in harm's way. And this tidal wave of like logs is now bearing down on them. And Brad shows up and asks Matt, well, where's Mayhem? And he says, forget him. Let's go save Scott and T-Bob. So down below, we see uh, Black Fox is back from his uh, (laughs) concussion. And uh, he's down by the riverbank. He throws a rope to Scott and T-Bob, who then pulls them out of the situation they're in with the the logs and the river and everything. Uh, Brett says that Black Fox caught a prized catch. I was like, how does he know his name? He hadn't met him yet, had he? Yeah, really. Black Fox caught himself a prized catch. It's worth admiring. That was close. I'm glad I was able to track you two. So that was a miracle, really. Uh, now, as, as he's reeling in the rope, it snags a log on the river and pulls him in. I'm like, really? I'm like, <laughs> how many little dangerous situations are you going to have with just kind of random stuff? Anyway, 
the uh, the logs are now like moving in fast forward by him. Like I don't know what they were trying to show there, like if it was rapids or something, but it was looking ridiculous. But anyway, Brad swoops in and Black Fox grabs Condor's uh, skid and pulls him out of the river. And then we quickly cut back to the logging camp. Matt and Black Fox and Scott and T-Bob are admiring the golden totem. Scott says, it's too bad it's not really gold, but Black Fox says it's worth more than gold to the tribe. It's their heritage, and they will be eternally grateful to them for helping to get that back. Uh, Scott then thinks one of the faces on the totem looks like T-Bob. Well, they pan up to it. Of course, it looks nothing like him. Right. I, I was assuming this was like a ploy to get T-Bob back up the pole, but T-Bob's not going for it. He says uh, he'd climb back up and take a look, but he left his spikes with Dagger. And, of course, that's the most hilarious joke of the whole episode. And we get this uh, zoom out and fade to black. Thank that God. Takes and us we get to, to our PSA, <laughs> PSA which... Yep. As Scott saying that he's done with his mask as he turns around. T-Bob comments about his mask, which is a plastic bag. T-Bob! Take it off, T-Bob! What are you doing? Plastic bags are not toys, T-Bob. You could suffocate in there. Oh, my! Uh, they're making masks, which I imagine for Halloween. And, you know, T-Bob's doing the thing you're not supposed to do, which is put a plastic bag over your head, and he's drawn some, a face on it. And that's what Scott is screaming about. He's not supposed to use plastic bags. They're not toys. But T-Bob's runs to an armchair with Scott asking if he scared him. To which uh, T-Bob replied that he left him breathless. And we fade out to our... There's so much wrong with that whole PSA. I mean, okay, so robots can breathe now. Of course they can't. I mean, they've... Give uh, T. Bob human characteristics throughout this whole oh, yeah, series. That's a feeling here was he was scared. But you know, the thing hurt. I the thing I had not noticed before in a PSA is the laughter and and doing a joke at the end. I mean, it's usually like a quick T. Bob will do a pun and then they kind of fade out. They don't they they kind of leave it on the level that hey, this is serious. This is a safety tip. We're not joking around here. But this time Scott's just breaks out into laughter. Yep. I was like, why are you doing that here? You leave that for the episode. Don't do that in the PSA. I mean, you're supposed to be serious about these, but I don't know why they did it this time. It did, it's, I, don't know. I don't know. That was like one of those things that went about. But anyway, I'm going to ask you. What, go ahead and you break it down. What did you f- give your final verdict before I get out my uh, plunger? <clears throat> yeah, really? I'll, I'm not quite plunger there yet, but... Uh... <laughs> Maybe I'll talk myself down. Okay. Um, so Venom seemed late to appear in our in this whole cartoon, right? Not saying it was bad, but it seemed late. I think he could have come. They could have come in sooner at some point. But but we got to see Outlaw and and kind of see how it works a little bit with the with the jammer and the, the scanner device mm-hmm. they were using to find the logs or at least look at them, which kind of defeated the purpose because then you got miles coming up to scan it anyway to see if it's gold or or <laughs> amber or whatever so what was the whole pointing the laser at it you know how, how was the radar dish supposed to detect it that's what i'm well there was a radar out. dish for the missiles but then there was that what looked like a laser beam cannon but that's what they were using you had you had outlaw cl- taking the claw 
and he was scanning it. That's what I finally kind of got from oh, it. But really? it still didn't. I mean, it never made sense. I mean, a cartoon to to eight, ten year old, they would would care less about what it's doing. Uh-huh. Us as adults looking at it, going, "Okay, you scan for the totem, but you still have Miles with that little handheld guy that right. says it's Amber." So you just the, the, the two didn't mesh. We got Scorpion there, which we hadn't seen him for a, quite some time. Mm-hmm. But he was out digging up the totem, so we got to see the little claw thing. We got the like I mentioned before, I thought I saw a volcano van sitting out at the logging camp near the beginning of the episode when they all stroll up to watch them climb the trees. But, I mean, it was a tick. I didn't really knock it, but I thought that's what it was there for. We saw a lot of our dynamic duo. I usually don't... I know they're part of it, and I try not to ding them so much because they're part of the, the whole cartoon, and they're the comedy relief, as terrible as they are sometimes. They are the comedy relief. But for me, there's a lot of bad jokes. Their adventure was pretty much the story of the whole episode. Yes. They front were the to main back. stars, I'll call it, in this one. The story that they created that the episode was supposed to be about just was not in the forefront. I mean, it was there for a little while, but then it just seemed like it, we were following Scott and T-Bob the whole episode. Maybe they were funnier when we were kids, but a lot of it was terrible. <clears throat> The wrath was just way too convenient. We already said, said this. Um, the lack of the gadget arms, at least, you know, to make it quicker or to make it more passable for Scott instead of T-Bob complaining about, I'm going to lose my grip and move fast and whatever he said. Just didn't seem to jive together like it usually does. I did like the outlaw animation, but I don't, I don't, I don't know. It was well, uh, what I alluded to while you're away was there were almost like mini commercials within our 22 oh, yeah. minute toy commercial for outlaw and for volcano because they took their time to let it transform. I mean, it was a full like 10, 15 seconds. And then you just got a, a nice shot of it after it was transformed as well, like on display, like, Looky here, kids. Go out and get it. <laughs> and I'm not complaining because I do like to see how things work and how they take a toy and translate it to animation. Oh, and yeah. I think they they do a great job of that. And they yeah. it was it was good. And that was like the best part of the whole animation in the in the episode to me was watching them transform. We got to see, like you said, volcano and the turret, but again, it was spitting much faster than we think. So that you know the motorized guy did. I get that it was probably just showing that it spun. So they didn't know how to make it right. go slow or fast or whatever. They just made it spin. But still, I mean, like you said, some you, would be. Yeah, you put it on display already. It, showing that motion is not going to sell a kid on the, the toy. I mean, yeah. how the whole thing works in the, the transformation sequence, that's more, I think, appealing than watching something spin out of control. Uh, it just seems stupid. The annoying bit I found with Nash and being told to shut up ended up being comical, but mm-hmm. he was being kind of annoying, but he was applauding his boss, you know, suck up. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, uh, having T-Bob fall on Dagger kind of was good, but then we see Dagger just run off. I mean, not even uh, jump in your j- jackhammer and get the heck out of there. It was, uh, oh, oh, full of robots. Oh, oh, got to get out of here. Got to run away. <laughs> um, 
I still ding T-Bob with the funky mic uh, and the funky voice towards the beginning, I noted. The Venom's always looking for gold, at least especially Mayhem, looking for the money. The disappointment of the amber versus the gold. And then they were just done. You know, they're not going to shoot their way out of it. They're not going to knock Matt with the with the landing skit on Switchblade or nothing. It was just straight. All right, all right I'm done. I, I came, saw, yeah. didn't get anything. See ya. <laughs> it's amazing he left it intact. You know, I, I'd get to that point and be like, "Yeah, Stinger, go over there and chop that thing in half with your claw." You then, know. Yeah. <laughs> do something. Yeah. Then we've noted it before, but the PSA had nothing to do with the cartoon because it seemed like they were doing something for Halloween and. That wasn't Halloween well, at all. I think I think they missed a good opportunity there because he alluded, you know, at the beginning that uh, he was going to take him back to camp and the do the headdress. I was like, that would have been perfect to do in the PSA. Somehow incorporate, I don't know, feather safety or whatever you want to, but incorporate that there where he's finally actually getting to do the headdress later in the episode after all this craziness went down. Uh, That's it. You can tie it together, but anyway. That never usually happens. So that, I'm probably too on top. I'm, I'm going to stay at two. I'm slowly working my way down. <laughs> I hate to say that this is one of the worst, but for me, this is this is probably my uh, Panda Power episode. Okay. So still not to the one. Um, not yet, but it's good. You talk it down, I might. And I scored it a three initially, so. Yeah, I understand. So I remember I was at one and a half. So I was like, it, it, it's got to get better somehow. Uh, there was no ticks or dings or whatever you like to call them in this episode. It was just all bad to me. Uh, so the animation in the second half was still bad. They uh, When they first show Venom and they show the vehicles there, it looked like Switchblade was half the size of Stinger. It looked yep, horrible. Yep, yep. It was like they drew it in after the fact or something. Uh, they didn't have much room to to put it in there, or they had something penciled. In. Oh, let's just use this just to show Switchblade is in this episode. Uh, it looked horrible. It looked like a miniature. Just that was no way around that. Uh, I, I, you know, like you said, they they were going down the path of we selected Brad because he knows Indian culture, and there's Indian symbols on these the the stone trees that would somehow lead them to the golden one. I mean, that's what I was getting from the whole situation, which never, again, never came into fruition. And the whole second tree, it was like, okay, they located the second tree with with their radar dish somehow. uh, But why were they there at this pile of logs? What, what did they decipher? Which, Gory said Mayhem was using the symbols to decipher in the computer. What did they decipher to determine, hey, between these two trees, there's a pile of logs and there's a totem hidden in there? I mean, I, I just give me some explanation on that. You set it up, but you didn't you know, come through on the story. So I, I just didn't understand why it's just laying in a pile of <laughs> whatever you call it, junk. Didn't make sense. Uh, one of the things that really irked me was, you know, so we were back in the eighties, we have all these PSAs on safety and yet you've got Scott releasing a safety belt from T-Bob to let him plummet to his demise. We'll say, uh, it's T-Bob. I know he runs him through the ringer and he's always, it's almost like T-Bob's his slave at some points. I just feel bad for him, but I, I just don't, that's, 
doesn't seem like Scott's personality to me to just let him plummet down and hopefully he'll hit dagger or else he'll be just exploded on the ground. You know what I mean? That just took me out of the whole episode there. Um, Mayhem's diversion, you know, when, when Thunderhawk was on him, I mean, it not only distracted mask, but it deprived us of the fight that they said was going to happen. That was huge. I was like, when he said, okay, we're, we're going to get ready for the fight. I was ready. I was like, come on, give me at least something in this episode to keep it going. And we did not get that fight. We got no resolution to Venom's getaway except for mayhem. So like you say, for all we know, Dagger is still running in the woods. That's it. <laughs> and Jackhammer has its keys in it somewhere waiting for somebody to steal it. You know what I mean, like, dude, what are you doing? It's like Gloria getting the call and leaving her car in the middle of an intersection to run off. I'm like, this doesn't make sense. So, and this was truly a Scott and T-Bob episode. I mean, the name of the show is Mask. It's not Thingamabob. We don't, we're not here to watch Scott and T-Bob. We're here to watch Mask and the, the, the mask uh, use. And we're here to see the vehicles transform. We're, we're here to see a battle. But they were present practically the whole time. And they diverted all of that story, all of the stuff that they were trying to do. They would cut to Scott and T-Bob and that balloon was deflated. Right. And the action was back to them. So... T-Bob's first half jokes were truly the only thing I pulled out of this episode. There was no mask use. There was no battle. And it just seemed like a makeshift story that was just a bunch of rescues kind of strung together. I'm giving this episode a one only because I cannot give it a zero. We don't have that on our scale. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I'm seriously. Okay. Seriously. I'm. Here's what I'm going to do, which I had not wanted to do up to this point, but... I'm going back to watch Panda Power and to determine if this truly is the worst episode we've reviewed. And I'm going to report my decision on the next mass cast. Okay. okay. I, I can't remember. And again, I tried to block it out of my memory after watching Panda Power. <laughs> if there was, if there's something in there that's worth, if Maybe. there's a, if there's a vehicle battle, if they use their masks one time, uh, any of that stuff would put it above this episode. They just, deflated all of the cool stuff of mask into a little T Bob and Scott adventure and gave us no payoffs. And, and that's just, I, I can't, I can't go above a one and I can't go lower than a one. So it's truly one of my least favorites uh, in this whole time. And while you're away, I was even saying, you know, I'm getting ready, buckle in cause I'm going to put it through the ringer. Okay. Again, I love Mask, and we're doing these reviews with the with the adult eyes, and it's not to deter people from watching Mask. It's oh. to point them to the, the better episodes, because every series is like that. They've got good episodes. They've got weird episodes. they got just horrible, why are you using Mask in this way episodes, and this is one of them. It was just the worst of the worst, in my opinion, unless we get uh, – <laughs> we'll see, but um, – I'm not trying to deter people from Mask because I love the show and I'm not giving episodes ones because I hate Mask. It's just based on these are the worst episodes. Stay away from these and go watch the uh, first ten. Go watch the first ten episodes. Yeah. We gave a lot of fives in the first ten. There's a lot of great episodes and this is nowhere near a great episode showcasing everything that we know and love about Mask. I'm done. Okay. <laughs> Let's go to the polls and yes. see what's going on. And move get, mine from a three to a two. 
let's go uh, to another uh, couple other takes here. So we did get six votes in our little short time frame here to uh, review the episode. And I'm refreshing now. Looks like we are at four threes, a two, and a one. So we were, <laughs> if we're the two and the one, we're on the low side. Yeah. <laughs> We've got two comments here. I'll let you go ahead and go with the first one here and let's see what people said. We actually have third. I found one on our YouTube channel, but it doesn't relate to our episode. Okay. Okay. But the first one here is by Choppin' Simon. A pretty bad episode. The story is unexciting and predictable. Too much time is spent on Scott and T-Bob, and there's very little action with the vehicles. I laughed so hard when the bear threw the tree trunk with Scott and T-Bob inside into the river, and they didn't even have a single scratch. Of course they didn't. <laughs> oh, it's a cartoon. No one it was hurt. right. It was amazing. There's only been a couple times. There's always an out. There's yep. always like yep. somebody there, somebody close, somebody that comes to save the day from the danger. And I can't think of another time where just maybe one time where there really wasn't drama there that they just let it happen. And they weren't saved from the bear at all. The bear just got sick of them and tossed them over the cliff. That's it. <laughs> it was like, wow. Okay. Next up is Decker. He or she uh, has left uh, ratings and, and reviews along the way with us. I have mixed feelings about this episode. First, the 80s stereotypes didn't age particularly well. Second, I'm assuming he means the Native American culture there. Second, there is a, and the, um, obviously the thick accents on a lot of the agents. Uh, second, there's a lot of Scott and T-Bob. Third, the mystery of what Venom was up to is pretty weak. On the other hand, we got uh, Stinger slash Scorpion. We got the Volcano Van and Outlaw, which is pretty darn awesome. I remember enjoying it a lot more as a kid for this reason, so I say it is middle-of-the-road episode. And, yeah, my rating does not reflect what I felt as a kid because a lot of these we're getting up into now, I don't remember watching uh, really as a kid. So having that nostalgia for a particular episode or for vehicles you would have seen in there that maybe maybe ones that you enjoy, I can see bringing the rating up a little bit, but I had none of that <laughs> at all pertaining to this episode. Uh, what was our YouTube comment there? It was by P Ferreri Ferrero. Mm -hmm. And he was mostly asking a question. Uh, but anyway, it says, I was wondering, do you know where I can find the mask recruitment theme music? The music where the computer picks the agents. Oh, yeah. It's my favorite piece of music from the show, but I don't think it's ever had a release. We, I know Jason pulled the best he could from one of the episodes to try and appeal it yeah. for our, I... our call-up that we do. But it's it's literally a pull-up, and I think you even cut it just shy, shy before a word or something is spoke. Yeah, it's uh, the site... I believe it's Cartoonopolis. He put together uh, a string of basically a soundtrack, a pseudo soundtrack based on uh, everything and anything that he could pull from the episodes themselves and uh, kind of piece together. So you hear like sound effects and stuff for a lot of the theme music and stuff. It allows you to hear kind of the whole uh, song in general, the score of the, the show and to get an idea of, the, of what it would be like to have an, a, an original soundtrack. And it's never been released. I've appealed to Mr. Shooky Levy on his website many times to give us a, a place to buy the soundtrack. 
I'll gladly pay him more money than which he probably doesn't need at this point for as many themes as he did. Uh, but I think I remember doing something like that, like Wyatt was saying, where I pulled out a piece and then I did a loop, basically. Because it's the original theme that they use for the call-up is that do 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 you know it's like the the opening theme but in just in a uh just that first section of it and it just kind of i just looped it basically uh i might still have it somewhere there's also a couple places on youtube that they did remixes of it and that's a little bit longer that you could use to you know use as background music or whatever you wanted to do with it but i might be able to help you out with that if you uh want to reach out to us directly, Jason at agentsofmass.com. Uh, just let me know how long you need it. I've got some stuff saved on my computer as well. So thanks for the, uh, yeah, we love questions and, uh, we're here to help in any way we can, you know, the community. So, uh, thanks for leaving us that comment over there on YouTube. Um, next episode, episode 57 is incident in Istanbul. Venom hijacks an armored car in Istanbul, stealing Constantine's chess set, which contains secrets to finding his golden crown. So maybe they might actually uh, find some do gold. some uh, find some gold, do some decent storytelling this time, and have like a puzzle to fit together to find this golden crown. That would be great. I, I can only uh, right. think it's going to be better than this episode. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> oh, gosh. Hopefully it'll pay off at the end. But, yeah, like I said, I mean, this was, for me, it was rough. I had uh, a, a great time in the first half just with the jokes. I was laughing, man. I was upbeat, and I was like, this is good. We're finally getting some good stuff. And then it was all downhill from there. So I will report next time on... <laughs> on what happens with all of that alrighty well we want to thank you once again for joining us as we discuss one of our favorite cartoon series from the 80s Mobile Armor Strike Command we continue to invite you to interact with us by commenting on our YouTube videos or interacting with us under each MassCast assignment with uh, comments and a vote on uh, agentsofmass.com until next time we want to we want to welcome you and invite you to join us again on our next episode of MassCast. MassCast. I'm sick of you. I'm sick of all of this. Ah.